Good morning, everybody. Really excited to be with you all again this morning. Um, it's, it's been one of those really fun and intense, crazy weeks where we have like, students finishing up finals, uh, end of the youth group, end of the year stuff, uh, Christmas shopping. Anybody here who hasn't started their Christmas shopping? Right here. Uh, yeah, running late. What's new? Um, but as this, as this time continues, and as we enter this season, um, I'm really excited to share with you kind of what God has been speaking to me throughout this week, and uh, just wrestling over the text that we're going to look at this morning. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. So let's pray. Lord, we live in a society that is that makes it difficult for us to stop, to be still, and to sit in silence. God, we know that in silence you speak, and we know, Lord, that in those moments in which we feel as if the world is on our shoulders, you are there next to us, reminding us of your power, of your authority. And of your grace. And Lord, we pray that this morning, that this time can be a time in which we can stop. Stop thinking about what needs to be done. Stop thinking about what needs to take take place or get finished or what's for dinner. But Lord, I pray that right now, in our silence, you speak to us. In my weakness, use me. And Lord, we love you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so one of, uh, the, when I was in college, one of the opportunities I had was to uh, be a part of this choir at California Baptist University. And part of this choir, what we did was we traveled the last two weeks after school ended in May. We went on a two-week choir tour. And it was both the most exciting thing and the most boringest thing you can imagine. Um, one of the things that was really exciting, though, we got to drive through certain parts of the country that I would never go through just for fun. Oklahoma being one of them. Uh, but one of the cool places that we went to was uh, in Northern California and driving through um, kind of the top part of the Sierras and just seeing all the landscape there. And I was... As I was going through the text this morning, I was reminded of a sequoia tree. And so you're thinking, a sequoia tree? Let me just share with you a little bit about a sequoia tree. So the the seed of a sequoia tree is very, very small. In fact, we have a picture of it right there. That's not my hand, but that is a hand of a, and that's the seed of a sequoia tree. And now for those of you who don't know about your trees, let me share with you. A sequoia tree is the largest tree in the world. Not the tallest, the largest. They're not, the tallest are redwoods. But sequoias are the, sec, are the largest trees, 250 feet tall and 30 feet wide. Massive, huge. These trees are like, like, enormous. Who here has seen or has seen like sequoias and redwoods in Northern California? All right. So everybody knows how big and magnificent these trees are. They're massive, but they start with something so small. Something that if you don't realize, you don't catch it in time, you will miss. A seed 
bigger, less than a centimeter big. Something so small, something so little, but yet something so big comes out of the seed. Something so small, but yet something so enormous comes out of the seed. As, we look, as I was thinking about the, the sequoias and thinking about how, how big they get and how enormous they are and breathtaking they are. And how they start from something so small. And if you blink, you will miss it. I was reminded this week of this season. I was reminded of, of, of the Advent season as we come together and we celebrate Christmas as society decorates trees and the, the aisles are all filled with different color wrapping paper and the cities put their trees out and their lights and how beautiful everything is and how happy everybody becomes. I was reminded that this all started and the reason for it being all started in a manger. Something so small, something so, we would say, not meaningful. Nothing can come from something so small like this. That's what society has trained us to think, that something so small, nothing can come out of that. But yet, Jesus, who was born in a manger, ends up being the best and biggest thing this earth has ever seen. Something so small, someone so small, born in a manger, yet changed the world. And this this morning, we're going to dive into a text um, that I really wrestled with. Uh, It was funny, a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, actually more like a month and a half ago, Pastor Scott told me, hey, I'm going to need you to preach on on the 16th of December. I said, yeah, sounds great. And at the time, uh, we have a sermon planner, like a sermon planner, and it tells us what text we're going through from here to the end of our schedule. And um, as I approached, start studying for this week's passage, I looked, and that week was empty. And I said, "Oh, that's different." So I went to Pastor Scott's office and said, "Hey, uh, the passage—it's empty. Like, there's nothing there." And he's like, "Yep, you're preaching out of Revelation." I said, "Oh." Am I? Okay, then. So this week, we're going to read out of Revelation chapter 11. So we turn to your Bibles to Revelation chapter 11, and it is the very last book of the Bible. And if you are able, uh, and, you, and you've reached that place, Revelation 15, 11, 15, go ahead and stand up as we read God's Word this morning. Revelation 11, 15. We're going to go to 15 through 19. Hear, the word. Hear these words. <clears throat> the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. 
The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, whose those reverence your name, both great and small, for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumbling, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <sighs> yeah. Let's just let's jump right into this one. So Revelation and verse 15. So last week, Pastor Scott uh, talked about an, an, the accepting the invitation. As the invitation is laid before us, the opportunity to accept the invitation stands there. Right before us. And this week, we're going to be talking about a response to that invitation and what comes out of that invitation. You see, as I read, as I read this passage and I looked at, chap- at verse 15 of this chapter, I'm reminded that the response of an invitation, the response to this invitation from God specifically, a response to the invitation of having Christ be the lordship of your life, the response to that came down, comes down to worship. It comes down to worship. Worship is the response to the response. It is a response of praise. And in verse 15, in verse 15, it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, and which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. In verse 15, if we look at this, it is a declaration of Christ's lordship. Verse 15 is once again another declaration of Christ's lordship, of Jesus being the Messiah. Not just on heaven, but also on earth. Both heaven and on earth. We see the two kingdoms, and they're declaring who Christ is. They are affirming him being the Messiah, not just at the moment, not just at that spot, but forever and ever. So we see this, and, and we see this in this passage. The language that is used in the original text describes this time that is it's continuous. It's not just at the moment of, but is a continuous statement. And we see this in, in Revelation eleven fifteen of Christ's lordship being affirmed in a way that says this is not just now but forever and evermore. Christ is the center. Christ is God. And their response is worship. In fact, as we go to verse 16, it says, And the 24 elders who were seated on, the th- on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God. In verse 17, it says, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. We see these elders once again. And what do these elders do? The elders who have thrones, who are, who are high positions in the kingdom of God, 
And what do they do? They worship him. Not just a, a simple, like, we give you praise. They fell on their face and worshiped the God Almighty. Their response to the invitation was adoration to the king. And a position in that which we as a society don't do. We do not do this as a society. We do not bow. We do not do any of that. Western culture does not do that. It, the, the most we do is just the, the head nod. And then when, when we admire somebody, we just do the... In worship, some of us may take on the stance of raising our hands. Some of us eyes closed. Some of us on the side. And that's awesome. That's beautiful. That's great. I love watching you guys worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But as we see in this passage, another form of worship. And it's a, 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 it's a position of submission. It's a position of vulnerability as you lie on your face on the floor. The elders are in that position, vulnerable before God, and they worship him. They worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords in a position that shows complete humility. These are people, these are, these are people mentioned in Scripture who have authority. There's importance to these 24 elders. And in their position, in what they have, they fall on their face and worship God Almighty. This leads us to the holiday chair. And for some of us here, the holiday chair, when I think of holiday chair, I, I, think, of, I think of some of the Christmas movies where people are very jolly, they're singing in the streets. The, the, the very end scene of Elf where they're all singing in, in the Central Park in New York. Like, people coming together, people gathering, laughing, singing songs, having a great time. Holiday cheer. But this is, this is what I think about it. This should be something that we should be doing, cheering and living in unity all year, all year long. As the elders fell on their face and praised God, submission to lordship, it's a response to what God was doing, what God did. And as we here on earth, as we live here in the Inland Empire, wherever you live, our response should be worship. And our holiday cheer should not just be limited to a month, but should be expanded throughout the year. As we, as we greet people around us who we don't know, it's the weirdest thing. I went to Target the other day, and people were saying hi to me. Like, hello. I'm like, this is, we don't do this. <laughs> like, if someone said hi to me, and I, I was like, oh, hi, like, December, that's fine. But if someone said randomly hi to me in August, that's weird. Like, why are you saying hi to me? Just mind your business. I'm going to do mine. You go shop where you're in a shop. And I, I think about that, and I'm like, but wait, if our response to the invitation should be worshiping God, our response as a, re, as a reaction to responding to God's worship should be holiday cheer all year long to those around us. Does that make sense? As we experience God's power and authority in our life, 
Our response should be worship, not just to the king, but to show love to those around us. Just out, even outside of December. Because I'll tell you what, come January 1st, January 2nd, when those Christmas decorations come down, for some of you, January 30th, um, I'm not going to lie, Christmas decorations normally come down to my parents' house like at the 26th to 27th of December, of December, not January. Uh, as you, as we celebrate, as we live lives, and after the, the season is over, may our response to those around us not be a response of, mm, like, whatever, but be a response of cheer, be a response of celebration. Why? Because a child was born in a manger. A child that was raised and born in the manger came down to save us. Something so small, something so minute, something that we would pass if we, just, if we blink and looked away too quick. A child born in a manger is the reason why we should respond in worship. Like the elders did face down as we see what Christ has done in our life and those around us. Our response should be worship. In a, a, a position of humility. As we encounter those around us, may we share that same holiday cheer. Why? As a form of worship to God the Father Almighty. May those who we encounter, it doesn't matter who they are, it doesn't matter what story they have, the background they come from, what their last name is, but may we welcome and may we celebrate and may we love the way that Christ loved us. And as we do that, as we do that, it's a, it is a form of worship. It is a response to the invitation that was laid before us. We, if we have accepted that invitation that Christ has given us, if we have accepted that call, that calling that God has placed before our lives, it is not possible for us to hold it within. It is not possible. You cannot contain that. But instead, it is possible and it is required. It's not even required. It is a natural reaction to share that same love that was shown to us. It's something that we can't hold in, but in fact are called to spread it around. Our holiday cheer, all together as one, should be out of a place of worship. It should come from a place of admiration, admiration to God Almighty. Our cheer should be a form of worship. Our, our gifts should be a form of worship. Christ has given us. Let us give to those around us. And as we see that, let's look at verse 18. And what should we expect? Well, I'll tell you right now. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, and those who reverence your name, both small and great. 
and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Those who have been called or not, there's going to be a time in which we will stand before God Almighty. Every one of us in this room, if you, have been in the, if you were baptized in the church or if you had this your first time here, all of us will stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we will have a time of judgment. And we think of that and we are terrified. In fact, there's a negative, like a negative association with the word judging in our society. But in fact, it tells us numerous times throughout Scripture that we will stand before God and receive judgment. But as we stand before God, let us be reminded that as though we are sinners, that we are horrible people, we are the worst. Let us be reminded that because of Christ's sacrifice, we receive the reward. The time has come for the judging of the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, those who reverence your name, both small and great. Verse 18 is telling us and reminding us once again that those who have accepted this invitation of Christ, those who have, who have been called into relationship to Christ, we should not fear. Because why? Because there is freedom in Jesus. Why? Because there is freedom in what came from that cross. Why? Because there is freedom of what came from the boy who was raised and born and raised in a manger. Out, of the, out from the, the child that was born in a manger came a story, a life, who walked this earth, who, who, who lived among the rejects of society, who welcomed the strangers in, who fed the hungry, who clothed the clothed, who took on the cross for our sins, blameless, he was blameless, died. And then to show his true power, once again, rose from the dead, showing you that, hey, I have the power. Jesus said, I have the power. Look what I can do. Put your finger in right there in the hole in which the nail went through my hand. I did this for you. And for those who he has called into relationship in, the word judgment should not be a word that we fear, but is that one step closer into which we enter into God's presence. It's one step closer in which we are before the throne, worshiping the God who saved us. As we enter a time and a season of giving, of welcoming, of showing love, may we be reminded that the cause and the root of that comes from the child who was laid in a manger. And as we move forward in life, let us not fear the word 
the, the, the day in which we will stand before God judged. Because if we have accepted Christ, if we have accepted the invitation, we know that we have been justified through his sacrifice. That there is freedom that comes from Jesus. And that there is no fear for us to live in. There is no fear for us to dwell in. But yet let us rejoice and let us be excited that we are free in Christ. And as we accept that invitation, allow us to go out into our community, into our homes, and, and share that same love. And let that be a form of worship to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. May that be our response. May our response to the invitation be worship because Jesus deserves it. In verse 19, when I I got to verse 19, I'm not going to lie to you, I just sat there and looked at it. (laughs) I sat there and I'm like, what am I, what, Lord? What, what is this? I'm just going to read verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, pearls, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. That, that for me was like, yep, I know exactly what's being shared there. I'm not going to lie to you. I wrestled a lot with this text. I wrestled a lot specifically with verse 19. And I'm like, why is the ark? And I'm asking questions. We, we, in seminary, we're told, like, ask, ask questions. Challenge it. Question it. Ask questions and see what is, what is trying to be said here. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's revelation, though. But as I look, and it, and it mentions the ark of the covenant, and we know from the Old Testament that the ark of the covenant was taken and never mentioned again until revelation. No one knows where the ark of the covenant went. It's just was taken, stolen. We don't know where it went. But as we know what the Ark of the Covenant is, we know that the Ark of the Covenant carried very important things, one of them being the tablets in which the Ten Commandments were written on. And in fact, the Ark of the Covenant was, was laid in the temple at the front of the temple in the most holies of holies, because God's presence was around it. And the Ark of the Covenant also had, as, as, as it carries the law, as I read this passage, it was almost like, it was, I, the way I interpreted, the way I saw it and read it was, there is these guidelines that have come down from heaven above. And as we see what surrounds it, of hailstorms, of thunder, lightning, and earthquake. These guidelines have power. These guidelines that are there that have been written that we have right here has power. Let me say it again. The Ark of the Covenant carried and held the word of God. And as it comes down from the temple in heaven, as it comes down on earth, there came all these things. Earthquakes, hailstorms, like all this stuff. 
Some of that stuff we get really scared of. I know when I hear, when I hear like an, an earthquake coming, I'm just like, there's, there's fear that comes out of it. There's power in that. But as we see here, the way I saw it, the way I read it was the word of God as it comes down on earth has power. The word of God right before your hands has power. Let us be reminded, family and friends, that as we respond to the invitation, that our response is worship. And by doing, by doing so, we give God glory. Worshiping those, worshiping God by loving those around us. By caring for those around us. My final point is this, this heading, a bizarre start. And I'm not going to lie to you, when I wrote that down, I forgot to mention like a little side note for myself. So now as I was going through my sermon again, I saw a bizarre start, and I'm like, wait a minute, why did I write that again? And I'm like, oh, this is why I wrote it again. This is why I wrote a bizarre start, because going back to the very beginning, all of this of elders falling on their face and worshiping as the Ark of the Covenant comes down, all of this came from a child born in a manger. Something so small, like a sequoia seed, came something so large. In fact, so large, in fact, that you, where you are at right now, are part of this same exact story. That you play a role in this story. That your story is part of something bigger than just you. Christ being born in a manger, something so small, minute, has included all of us, both Jew and Greek, free and slave. Christ has set us free. Christ is the reason to which we worship and why we worship. And as we enter this time of, of thanksgiving, of, of admiration, this Advent season, allow us to respond in worship. Allow us to love those around us. Allow us to welcome those who have not been welcomed. Allow us to care for those who need caring. And may we stand face down before our God and may we worship him because he deserves the glory, because he deserves the praise. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, we are free. All of this from a child born in a manger. God be praised. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for what you have done. 
on that cross for us and including us in that story. Lord, I pray that as we enter this season and as we enter the new year, remind us to respond. Remind us to worship. May we find ourselves face down worshiping you, the one who deserves it. Lord, thank you for your love and for your grace. We love you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.